What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. I'm Frank Holland, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show is live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your 5 at 5. We begin with the market rally rolling on, with the Dow notching its longest win streak in nearly four years. But futures, they're searching for a bit of direction this morning. And there are some potholes to navigate today. The world's largest chip maker cutting its revenue outlook and posting a profit plunge. Plus, we got shares of Netflix taking a hard hit on mixed results as the streaming giant sees progress on its ad tier and password crackdown initiatives. Shares of Tesla also under pressure this morning as the EV price war had started takes a bite out of margins. And later in the show, China's envoy to the U.S. out with a fresh warning over retaliation uh, over Washington's ongoing restrictions on chips. It is Thursday, July the 20th, and you're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning. Welcome to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Holland. Thank you for starting your day with us. Let's kick off the hour with a check on U.S. stock futures. Bit of a mixed picture here. We're seeing the S&P down fractionally. The Dow Jones up fractionally. The real movement here, it's in the Nasdaq, down almost 1% on the back of those Tesla and Netflix results. We'll talk more about that later. All three major indexes, however, yesterday marching higher with the Dow notching its eighth straight positive day for the first time since September of 2019. The Dow, the S&P of the Nasdaq, they are all trading at their highest level since April of last year. We're also looking at the bond market this morning. Taking a look at yields, as always, we begin with the benchmark 10-year. The 10-year at 3.78, pretty much range-bound, about a 10 basis point range since that CPI, softer-than-expected CPI report. Uh, also a very similar story when it comes to the long end of the curve, when it comes to the 30-year, similar story, range-bound. The real movement, however, is in the two-year. Since that CPI report has actually risen about 20 basis points, a story we continue to watch. We're also looking at energy. Oil working to keep its three-week win streak alive. Right now, taking a look at energy, WTI's U.S. benchmark up fractionally at 75.40 a barrel. Brent crew, that's the international benchmark, up almost a half a percent at 79.79. Natural gas seeing the biggest move, up 2%. We're also looking at the commodity market this morning, specifically wheat prices. Those prices are up this morning. This after a Russian strike on on a Ukrainian grain port, after Russia exited an export deal that allowed for grain shipments to continue despite the conflict. Take a look at wheat prices this morning, up 2.5% for the week, up over 12%. We'll have much more on this story and the commodity impact coming up later in the the show. All right, we have a very busy morning this uh, morning for earnings and stock reaction. U.S. listed shares of Taiwan Semiconductor getting hit hard on the back of second quarter results as the world's largest chip maker sees a profit plunge on slumping electronics demand. You can see shares of Taiwan Semi down more than 2.5%. Our Irabile Gumade is standing by in our London newsroom with much more on those results. Irabile, good morning. Yeah, good morning, Frank. So that fall down hasn't been as prodigious if you want to take a look at uh, the Asian trading picture for it then. It's only down around a third of a percent at this stage. But all the other semiconductors really getting hit as well, uh, with ASML out in Europe getting hit more than 3% on the back of this news. TSMC, of course, their second quarter profit falling 23% on an annual basis. 
and 12% on a quarter uh, on a quarter by quarter to 5.85 billion dollars that's above analyst expectations though and does come amid falling demand for chips, all right? It's those consumer and household chips that we're really talking about. So TSMC perhaps struggling on the back of that. No longer has that demand continues to play into the market as it had been, particularly during COVID-19. That's fallen a little, a little bit by the wayside and a lot more demand then coming in for those AI chips. But the rest of the chip market, as you can tell, going down. So too AMS, Osram, uh, who are down around 2.5% in this morning's trade. Frank? Irabilia, thank you very much. Now we're going to turn our attention to one of our other top stock stories. Shares under pressure this morning of Netflix on the back of quarterly earnings results, earnings topping expectations, but revenue missed the mark. Subscribers also blowing past estimates, thanks in part to the streaming giant's password crackdown, something co-CEO Greg Peters discussed on the earnings call. The business impacts of that product experience will roll in over so several quarters. So it's not an overnight kind of thing because in part the interventions are applied gradually uh, and in part because some bars won't immediately sign up for their own account, but will do so you know, next month or three months or six months or maybe even longer down the line as we launch a title that they're particularly interested in. And let's stay in London. Our Arjun Kapal joins us now with more on Netflix's results. Arjun. Well, good morning, Frank. Look, the theme going into this really was that we'd seen massive rallies in both Netflix uh, and some of these other tech stocks. So the expectations were high and any mild disappointment would be enough uh, to get these stocks moving lower. And that's pr pretty much what we got. It was overall a pretty good quarter for Netflix. They offered that one-two punch of cracking down on uh, password sharing as well as introducing an ad tier model uh, as well. And that resulted in big subscriber ads in the second quarter, 5.9 million ads as well and they're expecting similar numbers in terms of subscriber ads in the third quarter as well uh, you heard there greg peter signaling that the company feels it's got a big runway in terms of getting people off password sharing but also converting them into paying users he said that's not something that's going to happen overnight but it is something that's going to happen over the coming quarters and netflix is expecting what it said was a revenue acceleration in the first fourth quarter even so it's something that will happen slowly and they feel they've got this coming uh, for the quarter but the issue is, and why you saw that after hours trade dip, was that softer revenue figure of $8.19 billion versus the $8.3 billion expected. And as I mentioned, with a 60% run-up this year in Netflix's stock, any mild disappointment would have been enough to drop that stock in after hours trade. And that's what we saw, Frank. So, Arjun, I also want to touch on Tesla with you. Shares under pressure this morning, down almost 3%, following the EV maker's quarterly results. And it seems to be all about margins and Q through production. Take us through the numbers on this one. Well, absolutely, Frank. Again, similar story, 130-odd percent rally this year. So all in all, the report was good. You had record quarterly revenue. You had record deliveries as well uh, for Tesla. Earnings uh, per share were a beat at 91 cents uh, per share as well. Even the margin was better than expected with a gross margin of 18.5 percent higher than what the market was expecting. And the really, investors are happy with the strategy from Tesla this year. That is to cut prices, to gain share at the expense of margin. They're good with that for now. 
now and as it continues over the coming quarters. They will be thinking actually uh, when those margins begin to ramp back up, but they understand that this is a market share gain time for Tesla. The disappointment was around two things. Firstly, production and the company signaling that in the third quarter, uh, they're likely to see slower production due to some shutdowns of factories as they look to upgrade those. And secondly, around the Cybertruck. Now, it's been a long time since Tesla has released a new product and the fact that the Cybertruck is having some production niggles at the moment is an issue and they said that it'll only be next year until those high volume production will come. So that's really where the disappointment was again, why you saw that after hours dip, Frank. Arjun, thank you very much. Arjun Kapal, live in our London newsroom. We're going to dig deeper into both Netflix and Tesla results coming up later in the show. All right, turning back to the markets, investors becoming increasingly bullish as the markets continue to grind higher, according to a new survey from Vanguard. Those results from June showing investors expect U.S. stocks to return 5.5% over the next year. That's up from the expected 3.7% yearly return in April. And the highest reading since the 6% forecast in December of 2021, that was just a month before the S&P hit a record high. For more on this, let's bring in Skylar Montgomery Coning, Global Data TS Lombard's Senior Global Macro Strategist. Skylar, good morning. Great to have you here. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So even more bullish sentiment. Seems like every day there's more bullish sentiment coming out. So do you agree with this forecast from this Vanguard survey that the market's going to see a five and a half return, uh, 5.5% return over the next 12 months? Well, it's, it's really hard because we're caught between two contra- contradicting forces in terms of on one side, we've got disinflation and economic surprises that are very positive. And on the other, you've still got the central bank outlook and this worry over recession. And I think, you know, we've seen equities be remarkably strong. And that's in part justified because, you know, it's also policy path dependent, like 2022 was policy path dependent. In 2022, equities went down because we got massive tightening from central banks globally. And now markets are moving in anticipation of hiking ending before we get cuts. And even if we don't get cuts until 2024, that means we're past peak tightening velocity this cycle. Um, so, yes, we've had kind of a drift up in terminal expectations, but they've largely been around 100 bit range for the past 10 months. And you've had other positive things feed into that as well. Right. You've got dollar okay. weakness or even just a range bound dollar. So it's, it's quite hard right now. Yeah, a lot of people pointing to the dollar's weakness, especially in July. I believe it's down about two and a half percent in July alone. So despite the soft uh, futures today on the back of those Netflix and Tesla results, the market's on really a remarkable run. So for you and your clients, how are you advising them? Is now the time to rebalance portfolios or to take some money off the table or profit take? How do you view this upcoming period? Because you mentioned the Fed decisions and central bank decisions. We are expecting more hikes here in the U.S., uh, maybe two, at least definitely one, according to consensus. Yeah. So right now we're in this really, really tricky scenario where the market is telling you that everything is is okay, right? In terms of if you look at economic surprises, they're very positive. Disinflation is definitely a tailwind for risk assets. And there's this risk that because investors went into 2022, 2023 underexposed, okay. that is going into 2023. So, um, Skylar, how are you yeah. advising clients to deal with this risk? Are you taking some money off the table? Are you putting more money into treasuries? Obviously a very safe investment. Yeah, so we have a cautious stance where we're mildly overweight equities because we don't want to miss out on this rally. Um, and recession seems to be pushed out by the fact that the economy has been more resilient to higher rates than we initially thought. Um, and so, you know, we've tweaked our equity exposure within regions in terms of we're shifting more to the U.S. and away from Europe, but we're still having to some, have some kind of overweight because the risk is with the underinvestment going into 2023, um, you have a risk of a, a, a squeeze upwards. 
Rising commodity prices, something we're going to be talking about later in the show, specifically wheat. And we've also seen a bit of a boost when it comes to oil. Does that change any of your theses when it comes to equities? I don't think it really does in terms of if you look at how much different markets are pricing, soft landing, hard landing, et cetera, um, commodities, I think, are the most worried about a hard landing. But they're also kind of feeding off of what's happening in China in terms of the rebound we've seen hasn't been as good as most markets expected. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of feeding into that. You're also seeing issues in, in Russia, Ukraine come to the fore. But that stuff isn't as, as necessary or as impactful in equity markets, I don't think. All right, Skylar Montgomery Coning, we appreciate you being here. Thank you very much. All right, we got a lot more to come here on Worldwide Exchange, including that one word that investors have to know today. Shares of United Airlines taking off on the back of quarterly results as the company shakes off a recent wave of service turbulence. Plus, shares of Zion Bancorp also popping on the back of earnings as more regional banks prepare to report. We're going to dig into the health of that sector and potential progress in contract talks between UPS and its workers. The impact of ongoing labor tensions is having uh, on the transport sector. We're going to break that all down. We have a very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns. Stay with us. Join Finteract, a peer-to-peer community of financial services professionals, and keep your finger on the pulse of the industry. Finteract offers a digital hub to start conversations, connect with fresh perspectives, and problem-solve with peers. This members-only community also provides access to virtual and in-person events where you can chat tech stack, develop efficiencies, and learn new ways to propel your business forward. Apply at Finteract.net. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production. And they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at Chevron.com slash meeting demand. All right. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Taking a look at U.S. semiconductor companies right now on the back of those Taiwan semi results. Um, right now, we're seeing NVIDIA and AMD both down 1% in addition to Intel. Qualcomm, the least impacted right now. We're going to have much more on the impact of Taiwan Semi's results on the chip sector later in the show. All right, time now for a check on some of this morning's top corporate stories. Our Silvana Hanau is here with those. Silvana, good morning. Hey, Frank. Good Thursday morning to you. Well, Frank, let's start with shares of United Airlines. Shares flying high after its Q2 earnings and revenue topped analysts' expectations despite flight disruptions at its New Jersey hub. The airline also projecting a strong third quarter due to an unrelenting travel boom led by a return of international travel. Sticking with chips, China's envoy to China. To Washington says his country does not want to does not want a trade or tech war with the U.S., but will retaliate if the Biden administration imposes more curbs on its chip sector. Speaking at a conference, Xi Feng said the way competition between the U.S. and China is defined by Washington is not fair. And a House panel on China is looking to crack down on U.S. venture capital firms over their investments in Chinese AI. The House Select Committee on the Chinese Communist Party sent letters to four firms, including Qualcomm Ventures and Walden International. They also noted some of the companies receiving money have been linked to profiling and tracking of the Uyghur ethnic minorities in China, Frank. 
you know, really a developing story, just how D.C. handles both AI, the right. chip crackdown, the cloud computing potential crackdown mm-hmm. and regulation that could be coming a lot there. Lots. Yep. Lots there. Savannah, we'll see you later on the show. See you later, Frank. All right. Shares of regional banks, they've been on the rise this week with the KRE up more than 9%. Several names, including M&T, U.S. Bank Corp and Citizens Financial, meeting or even beating profit forecasts in the second quarter as higher interest rates allowed them to charge more for loans. Zions, which reported after the close last night, says deposits have rebounded just months after the collapse of SVB, Signature Bank and First Republic. Excuse me, spark turmoil in the industry, but Zion's noting the higher cost of funds that weighed on net interest income. That's the difference between what banks earn on loans and pay out in deposits. Let's talk more about the sector with Christopher McGrady, head of U.S. Bank Research at KBW. Christopher, good morning. Great to have you here. Hey, good morning, Frank. So a number of banks, as we just mentioned, actually beating expectations, um, admittedly lowered expectations. That's important to, to point out. Deposit levels seen as one of the many key metrics to watch when it comes to the regional banks, with a lot of people concerned about the solvencies of regionals. Are we seeing that? Are we seeing that stabilize right now? Yeah, we, we, we're not four months removed from the SCB collapse, and, and deposit levels have stabilized, right? We have um, distanced ourselves, and um, that's important because that's, that's driving investor sentiment. Um, in terms of the, the quarter itself, right, we're seeing uh, expectations being brought down into the quarter and, and the bar has been lowered. And so banks are jumping over a pretty low bar. And I think that's part of the reason we're seeing a rally this week. So I want to go back to rising rates for a minute. That really caused a lot of trouble for regionals because of their bond holdings. Um, is that still an issue for their balance sheets? And are you surprised to see M&T, U.S. Bank Corp, a few others now say it's actually a tailwind because it's boosting their loan rates? Right. So banks are naturally asset sensitive. So higher rates means uh, wider margins. Um, But that's only to a point, given the pace at which the Fed has moved last year. um, At some point, the liability structure of the banks have have caught up. And that's what you're seeing. You're seeing margins begin to peak, begin to roll over. Um, And that's what we're seeing um, into the quarter. Uh, That's what we're seeing um, probably for the back half of the year. But again, expectations are very low. Loan growth remains decent. And while revenues have peaked, um, they're perhaps not as bad as fear. So you mentioned sentiment just a minute ago. Have we finally seen the end of these regional banks trading on sentiment, on concerns about their solvency, on concerns about insured deposits? Are they now more trading on the fundamentals of their businesses and not so much as a basket, but as individual banks? We, we are. Um, last quarter when we were on, it was all about the balance sheet. We wanted to see what the level of insured deposits were. We wanted to see what capital levels were. Um, this quarter, it's more um, those still those factors still matter, but it's really about the earnings outlook and the ROEs that these banks can generate for next year. And that's important. Fundamental analysts um, and investors look at stocks on the future earnings power of the company. Uh, and we are beginning to look more on the fundamentals. Fundamentals are OK. Um, they have peaked. They are decelerating. The earnings are decelerating. But again, relative to where expectations and valuations were, we are moving off the bottom. So you say it's just okay. So you don't sound very bullish on the regional banks just quite yet. Do you have a top pick in the space? Is there one bank that's kind of separated itself from all the turmoil and all the other issues? Yeah, we are neutral on on the group. We went to a neutral uh, stance last December. Really, the call was peak earnings. Um, Earnings had had risen pretty notably last year. And we had... um, and we had an expectation that earnings were going to were going to decline this year, not perhaps as much as they have, but but certainly we were in a peak narrative. Um, in terms of the uh, the group, yeah, I, I would give you a, I would barbell it for you on the in the higher risk, higher reward sector. We saw a company Western Alliance last night. 
Um, the stock was up uh, 8% yesterday. They put up a good quarter. Expectations were very low. That stock's trading a tangible book. If you look at the, at the other end of the spectrum, two companies that report this morning, East West Bank out of California and Webster Bank out of the Northeast. These are really strong earners. These have good profitability. These stocks are trading at seven, eight times earnings. Uh, and the balance sheets are in great shape. So we like those stocks. All right, Christopher McGrady, thank you very much for your time and for your insight. We appreciate it. Great, thanks. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, we're going to stay on the earnings beat as IBM shares, they take a hit ahead of the open, while investors are feeling blue about the tech giant's latest results. We have much more on that when Worldwide Exchange returns. Stay with us. Join Finteract, a peer-to-peer community of financial services professionals, and keep your finger on the pulse of the industry. Finteract offers a digital hub to start conversations, connect with fresh perspectives, and problem-solve with peers. This members-only community also provides access to virtual and in-person events, where you can chat tech stack, develop efficiencies, and learn new ways to propel your business forward. Apply at Finteract.net. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Dow Transports, they're trading at a 52-week high as rates appear to have bottomed in recent weeks and recession fears are easing. The freight and logistics index outperforming the market and the NASDAQ 100 in the second half. The rally comes as two labor negotiations could disrupt the market, UPS and the Teamsters and Yellow Corp and the Teamsters. Yesterday, UPS and the Teamsters agreed to meet next week to resume negotiations over pay and other benefits In the meantime, companies that provide third-party logistics and shipping services have moved double digits on concerns about disruptions. For example, XPO surging 5% yesterday, up 12% over the last week. Last night, we're going to shift to the other negotiation. Yellow Corp put out a statement calling a potential Teamster strike a violation of the collective bargaining agreement. The union issued a strike warning because the fund that manages the union pension said Yellow Corp did not pay $50 million in contributions. Yellow did request a deferral that was denied. So shares are down over 70 percent over the last year. It's very important to note this stock is under the $500 million market cap, so we normally would not cover Yellow. However, it's important because Yellow moves about $5 billion of freight annually, and this issue is pushing much of that volume out into the market. FedEx, which runs a similar trucking operation, is expected to benefit from any disruption of Yellow and is also seeing a surge from disruption at UPS. FedEx advising customers to secure capacity now. Take a look at these charts. Sia and Old Dominion, two other major players in that same trucking space, the less than truckload space. We'll be covering this story much more here on Worldwide Exchange. All right, time now for a check of this morning's other headlines outside of the world of business. NBC's Francis Rivera in New York with the very latest. Francis, good morning. Hi, Frank. Good morning. President Biden on Wednesday approved a disaster declaration for Oklahoma after the state was pounded by a series of storms and tornadoes in June. There is still no relief. Tornadoes wreaked havoc across the country, including in North Carolina, damaging a Pfizer pharmaceutical plant in the city of Rocky Mount. While no serious injuries were reported, experts warned that the damage to the facility could result in long-term medication shortages. And we are learning more about the U.S. soldier who, while serving in South Korea, crossed the border into North Korea. Legal documents show Travis King had multiple run-ins with the law. He was accused of punching a man in a nightclub and also fined for damaging a police car. North Korea so far has been silent about King's status. The White House says they are working to learn where King is being held and more about his condition. 
And the results are in for the billion-dollar Powerball prize. One lucky winner secured the golden ticket in the golden state of California. The winning numbers were drawn last night, giving away the third-largest jackpot in Powerball history. Frank, clearly... He didn't win. There were five other winners who won a million here around the New York area and New Jersey as well. But there's still a mega millions. You know, Francis, don't assume like we have a lot of smart financial advisors here. They told me if I win, sit tight for a month, plan the whole thing out and then I disappear. And then all of a sudden you just come up with your Lambo and your Maz and everything else. But, yeah, you know, it's just it's just Frank being Frank. Well, now we know what you would buy, Francis. I don't know if I, buy, I don't think I can fit in a Lambo, but. Francis Rivera, it is great to see you as always. And good luck if you're playing. All right, as we had to break here on Worldwide Exchange, take a look at shares of Carvana. Fractionally higher ahead of the open. This stock jumped 40% yesterday after the company revealed it reached a debt restructuring agreement. Shares are up more than 50% week to date. Speaking of Jim Cramer on last night's Mad Money, CEO Ernest Garcia struck a very optimistic tone on the path ahead. I think the gains you're seeing are sustainable. We definitely benefited this quarter from a couple things that that broke our way. Uh, But there were huge gains underneath it that are certainly sustainable and it will continue. It is right around 530 a.m. in the New York City area. And there's still a lot more ahead here on Worldwide Exchange. Here is what's still on deck. Shares of Netflix getting hit hard ahead of the open following a mixed quarter as it touts progress on its password crackdown. A similar story for shares of Tesla, also under pressure as, mar- pressure as margins get squeezed by its self-inflicted EV pricing war. Those stocks dragging Nasdaq futures lower as investors gear up for another busy day of earnings results. It is Thursday, July the 20th, and you're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Holland. Thank you for starting your day with us. Let's pick up the half an hour with the check on U.S. stock futures. Not much change from earlier this morning, kind of a mixed picture right now. You can see the S&P down fractionally, the Dow Jones up fractionally, the real movement here on the NASDAQ following those Tesla and Netflix results down almost 1%. We also want to give you a check on shares of Apple after it touched a fresh record high in yesterday's session. The tech giant touching 198.23 cents per share, not 0.23, 23 cents per share following a report that it was working on AI tools that could challenge the likes of OpenAI, Google, and others. Obviously, some, move, some news there that can move a stock. We're seeing the stock right now, however, down almost three-quarters of a percent in the pre-market. All right, time now for one of your morning's big stock stories. Shares of Netflix getting hit hard ahead of the open after the streaming giant posted a mixed second quarter, beating on earnings estimates with subscriptions rising 8%. But... Missed on revenues. On the call the sharehold, uh, to shareholders, co-CEO Greg Peters attributed Netflix's efforts to curb password sharing as a key factor for the subscription's boost, and he expects the company's ad tier to be a major growth driver going forward. We've got a lot of work to grow this business, and I, the first priority that we're focused on is scale. We know that reach is one of the you know, predominant uh, considerations, the dominant considerations that advertisers have when they think about where to go to spend their dollars. We want to be in that top list. We grew ads planned membership almost 100% quarter to quarter. So that's good growth. That's a good trajectory. And joining me now to discuss is Jason Bazinet, Citigroup Media and Entertainment Analyst. Jason, good morning. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. Morning. So what do you make of the quarter overall? Earnings beat, seeing some progress on that, on that password crackdown. Is that expected to be a long-term tailwind or just for this quarter? Well, uh, remember, there's sort of two narratives going on at the same time, right? You've got this ad tier, uh, which is supposed to uh, help subgrowth and ARPU, and then you have the password sharing crackdown. And the bulls want to paint both of them as, as a big positive, right? Um, 
what I think we saw in the quarter was the subs did really well because the password crackdown, where the disappointment came was the ARPU. And our, our thesis for some time is the password crackdown is not going to add any value. Why? Because those consumers that bought the standard plan or the premium plan with two simultaneous streams or four simultaneous streams are going to spin down to something cheaper. And so you're going to get more subs, but you're going to get lower ARPU. And this is what I think the buy side and the consensus was mismodeling. So we got better subs, but the ARPUs were light and that caused the revenue miss. And so the street needs to sort of recalibrate their near-term numbers. Okay. So pass, and then, but I think over time, it's going to be a long-term positive. All right, just want to clarify for the audience, Jason, ARPU is average revenue per user, subs is obviously subscriptions. Just to make sure everybody's on the same page right now. You bet. Um, Let's talk about the the Hollywood strikes right now. Um, The general consensus is that Netflix is less impacted what did you hear on the call about that? And how do you think that's going to impact at least investor view on their guidance? Yeah, they are less impacted. Um, they're a more global company than most. So a lot of the production happens outside the United States. But no one's immune to this. And I think, um, you know, if we can get the stri- strike resolved, let's say, before the end of the year, I think everything will sort of be fine. If we start dragging into 2024, that, that's going to be a big issue for everyone in Hollywood, including Netflix. Yeah, certainly for Netflix. Um, A lot of people believe that sports kind of gives you some protection from the impact of these Hollywood strikes possibly lagging on, as you mentioned, into next year. Um, Are we seeing any other developments when it comes to Netflix, whether it's live streaming, maybe another push into sports? Of course, they do have racing and some other things. What other developments are we expecting from this company? Yeah, I would be shocked if they do anything in live sports. Um, You know, I, I think they've got enough runway and enough momentum where they are just in the core sort of scripted video business that they don't need to do anything in live sports. Okay. What about valuation? A lot of people talking about valuation when it comes to mega cap tech stocks. Netflix is one of those. What do you think about the valuation of this name and how's it going to impact its long-term outlook, especially with two more rate hikes coming up? Yeah, I think the valuation um, is actually not, not stretched. I mean, it certainly look, you know, what the bears would say is it's very expensive on a PE multiple. Um, that's true, but you're, you know, the company is growing revenues, high single digit, moving to double digit with great operating leverage in this business. And so the real thing is, is going to be sort of the free cash flow as you move out. So we've got a $500 target. I'm not concerned about valuation here. So $500 target, obviously upside from where we're at right now. What about its rating? Yeah, we're, we're buy rated. Um, you know, we, we probably upgraded the stock a little bit early after the first reset, and then it took the second reset down, and we've been super animated about it since then uh, on, on the password chain crackdown and ad tier rollout. All right, Jason Bazinet, very bullish on Netflix. Great to have you here. Thanks for your time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to stick with earnings. Shares of Tesla also falling despite an all-time high quarterly revenue and lower margins thanks to price cuts and incentives. Earlier this month, Tesla said it delivered more than 465,000 vehicles in the second quarter and produced nearly 480,000. Those were higher than Wall Street expectations, primarily driven by incentives and by discounts. Those reduced average sales prices, however, remaining a sticking point for CEO Elon Musk, who doubled down on car affordability on last night's call to shareholders. We don't control the macroeconomic conditions. So if interest rates continue to rise, that reduces the affordability of cars. Um, you know, and, and for a lot of people, they're really trying to balance, they're just you know, barely breaking even uh, every month. In fact, if you look at the rise in credit card debt, they are, in fact, not breaking even every month. All right, let's get a check on the Tesla results uh, with George G. Enriquez. Uh, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Frank. Thanks for having me on. 
All right. So we just kind of played that clip there from Elon Musk. I think a lot, one of the things a lot of people are talking about is production, specifically in Q3, but also the full year. Tesla, after a strong start to the year, didn't raise its vehicle delivery guidance from one point eight million. Is that the only thing weighing on the stock? Look, uh, what we saw last night in results uh, was emblematic of a company that's investing to create long-term durable growth. And they're doing that in multiple ways, right? So first, they cut prices, which you referred to earlier in the year, and that's seeding the market with units. And with those units over time, they hope to basically penetrate uh, FSD software that will create margin upside over time. They're also spending a lot in OpEx. They're doing that to beef up their AI infrastructure to enhance that FSD offering, maybe even sell, they alluded to this yesterday on yesterday's call, uh, to sell uh, more FSD software to other OEMs. So, George, I want to jump in. FSD is full self-driving. I just want to make sure the audience is on the same page with you. Yes, full self-driving software for its own vehicles and potentially to other OEMs. They're also investing in battery technology with 4680 cells. They're also investing in robotics, right? The Tesla bot could create long-term durable growth, you know, for later on in the decade into the 2030s. So this is a company that, despite an erratic macroeconomic environment, is still putting the pedal to the metal and investing in projects that should create growth for the yeah, long term. Absolutely. I think Elon Musk kind of highlighted they want to retool some facilities, some production facilities to get ready for the second half of the year. And that may slow down production. So let's talk about margin. Um, Tesla itself has engaged in a price war that's hit margins. Do you believe this might be the bottom when it comes to its margin story? Yes. Yeah, so, so that's one of the issues on yesterday's call. The company wouldn't commit. They were very non-committal about seeing a bottoming in margins. We think we're there. You know, so whether it's this quarter or next quarter, they broke this 20% pure gross margin guidance. And right now they're in about the 17% range. And I think that's probably why they don't want to commit to this being a bottom. But if you look forward into Q4, into 2024, we have the cyber truck ramping. We have uh, additional volumes helping growth. We have 4680 cells ramping. So we think that this particular level probably represents the bottoming process for gross margins. So, George, I'm going to ask you a complicated question, hoping to get a short answer out of you, though. Um, Is Tesla possibly undervalued? Heard a lot of people talking about it. It's actually an AI play that people don't fully realize. Full self-driving FSD, as you mentioned, that's actually AI. Correct. We call Tesla the AI and sustainability behemoth. We have close to $10 in earnings for 2025. And if you look at that relative to other large cap tech stocks, it's relatively undervalued. It's growing faster from a revenue perspective. It's growing faster from an earnings perspective. And all the stuff that we just talked about create visibility to long-term sustainable growth. So yes, relative to those stocks particularly, we think it's undervalued and underappreciated. All right, George, with that in mind, give us your price target and your rating. It's 293 price target, buy rated, that's a 12-month price target. But we think that our multiple, which is 30 times 2025 earnings, is relatively conservative, conservative, particularly given the fact that this group of large cap tech stocks, what we call the man group, is trading at 26 times. And so if you look at the growth for revenues, it's probably three times higher. For earnings, it's a little bit higher than that. So we think this is a relatively undervalued stock. All right, George Enriquez of Canaccord Genuity, thank you so much for being here and for your time and for your insight. Thanks for having me. All right, time now for a check on some of this morning's top corporate stories. Our Savannah Hanau is back with those. Hey, Frank, I'm back. All right. Well, IBM shares dipping ahead of the open after the company reported better than expected Q2 earnings and expanded its gross margin. 
but missed consensus estimates on revenue. The computer maker CFO attributing IBM's expanding gross margins to a more profitable mix of products with software being its fastest growing division, as well as productivity initiatives, including nearly 4,000 job cuts in January. Activist shareholder Elliott Management has reportedly built a significant stake in drug maker Catalent and is pushing for a shakeup on the company's board. Shares of Catalent surging on the news right now in pre-market up 8%. Now, the Wall Street Journal says Elliott has been talking to potential director candidates about joining a slate of nominees to run in a proxy contest, though the exact size of Elliott's stake remains unknown. And Reuters reporting the Fed is set to launch its long-awaited instant payment service as it aims to modernize the country's payment system by eventually allowing Americans to send and receive funds in seconds. The Fed Now service, which has been in the works since 2019, will seek to eliminate the several-day lag it usually takes cash transfers to take effect, bringing the U.S. in line with countries like the U.K., India, Brazil, and the EU, Frank. You know, that's really interesting. It's always interesting that the technology here in the U.S. sometimes when it comes to things like this, it lags it really other does. parts of the world. Yes. Yeah, interesting development. I'm sure we'll be talking much more Absolutely. about that throughout the day. Silvana, thank you very much. Yes. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, wheat prices jumping once again following new developments on Russia's decision to scrap its grain deal with Ukraine. We'll have those details in just a moment. But first, as we had to break, some of your top trending stories Amazon says it will eventually ditch sending packages in plastic padded bags in favor of recyclable alternatives as it looks to cut down on packaging waste. A deadline for the swap has not been announced just yet. Starting this week, New York City's Lincoln Square AMC Theater will be one of only 30 theaters around the world streaming Oppenheimer in 70-millimeter IMAX film. That movie that will involve using a 600-pound, 11-mile-long film reel that makes up the three-hour blockbuster. And those average work meetings are finally getting an upgrade, at least virtually. Microsoft introducing a new AI-powered beauty feature for its Teams platform that offers a new set of virtual makeup filters, very similar to those seen on Snapchat and TikTok, with the Maybelline Beauty app providing users 12 unique looks at launch. Worldwide Exchange, back in a moment. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your morning call sheet. We begin with Morgan Stanley upgrading AB InBev to overweight on an attractive valuation. The firm says it sees the brewer's upcoming first half results as the likely time when it will quantify the impact of the drop in sales from the Bud Light controversy earlier this year. Taking a look at shares of AB InBev up almost 1% in the pre-market. RBC is downgrading Carvana to underperform. It says the online car retailer's better Q2 results, debt restructuring, and new access to capital is reducing liquidity risk, which is a big positive for that stock. But RBC is basing this call on the company's fundamentals. Taking a look at shares of Carvana this morning, up almost 1.5%. And Deutsche Bank lowering its rating on the Avis budget group to hold. It cites the stock's recent rally. And the upside and downside risk is being reasonably well-balanced, at least at this point, looking at shares of Avis flat in the pre-market. And time now for your global briefing. Wheat prices rising again today, up more than 12 percent this week, following news of a Russian strike on Ukrainian ports after pulling out of a U.N.-backed deal for safe grain exports earlier this week. And in the chip sector, Taiwan Semiconductor reporting Q2 results that topped expectations, but profit, that plunge from a year ago, as demand for consumer electronics continues to slump. 
The company expects investment spending for this year at the lower end of the previous estimate and sees sales falling 10% in 2023. And shares of U.S. semi-makers also taking a hit on the back of that news. TikTok has also reportedly opened up its research software to Europe ahead of new EU rules looking to police online content. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, we have the one word that every investor needs to know today. Plus, why our next guest says, beware of that so-called Magnificent Seven. And if you haven't already, follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple, Spotify, or other podcast apps. Much more Worldwide Exchange after this quick break. Some live shots from around the world this morning. We start off in London, where there's actually a Taylor Swift ticket controversy brewing. Ticketmaster getting some backlash. We'll probably talk about that sooner or later. End of the trading day over there in Hong Kong, New York. The sun just coming up. Same story for Washington, D.C. All right, time now for your worldwide exchange wrap-up. We begin with shares of United Airlines flying high after its Q2 earnings and revenue, both topped analyst expectations and a projected strong third quarter due to an unrelenting travel boon led by a return of international travel. Las Vegas Sand shares moving in the opposite direction. Despite a beat on the top and the bottom lines, the company says renovation disruptions in Singapore are affecting the company's margins at that location and air travel from China. It still remains below pre-pandemic levels. Shares of Discover Financial also lower after a Q2 earnings miss and a pause in its share repurchase program amid an investigation into incorrect classifications of credit cards from around mid-2007. China's envoy to the, U- to the U.S. says his country does not want a trade or tech war with the U.S., but will retaliate if the Biden administration imposes more curbs on its chip sector. Meanwhile, a House panel in China is looking to crack down on U.S. venture capital firms over their investments in Chinese AI and has sent letters to four firms so far. And Elon Musk says Tesla will spend well over $1 billion by the end of 2024 on building an in-house supercomputer known as Project Dojo, which will be used to process data and video to improve the EV maker's autonomous driving capabilities. We're also gearing up for the train day ahead. The earnings parade, that rolls on with results today from Johnson & Johnson, Travelers, American Airlines, D.R. Horton, and train company CSX. Weekly jobless claims are out at 8.30 a.m. Eastern, along with the July Philly Fed survey. That's followed by June existing home sales at 10 a.m. The Fed releases the weekly look at its balance sheet at 4.30 p.m. Eastern as well. Well, the markets are coming off another positive session with the Dow on its longest winning streak in nearly four years. The major averages at their highest level since April of last year. Future signaling, it could be a bit of a struggle to get out the starting gate today, however. Let's bring in Courtney Garcia, Senior Wealth Advisor at Payne Capital Management. She is also a CNBC contributor. Courtney, good morning. Thanks for having me, Frank. All right, so let's just talk about the rally first off. We are seeing some soft futures, mostly on the back of the Tesla Netflix results. Do you still have confidence in this rally? Are you worried that these earnings results, they may slow down the momentum of the rally or maybe even reverse it? No, I'm really not worried about that. I think what you're seeing right now is it's your big tech names that are the ones who are maybe disappointing right now. And it's just because the bar was set so high and people have been so excited about what's going to happen with their earnings. But a lot of that has already been priced in. And I don't see that as a concern for the overall markets. I think that's really been the story this whole time is that it is just your tech companies and just basically seven companies that have been leading this rally upwards. But you're finally starting to see the rally broaden out which is much more indicative of a sign that the momentum can continue rather than just seven stocks dragging up the market. So if those seven start to lag, I would not be concerned about it. Um, but I, I also wouldn't be surprised. I think that the bar was just set too high, unfortunately. All right. So with that in mind, we're going to get a, a sense of how you see this upcoming trade, trading day ahead. 
What is your WEX word of the day? Yes, my word of the day today was euphoria because we're now eight straight days where the markets have been higher, which is the highest it's been in about four years. I'm sorry, the longest stretch that it's been in about four years. And I was actually looking at our last couple words of the day that I used for you. And we went from FOMO or fear of missing out to optimism to now euphoria because the markets have just continued to defy the odds and climb higher despite a lot of the negativity that's out there. We do think it still has momentum to continue to run here because keep in mind, a lot of the markets are not back to their all-time highs yet. And so there are still a lot of room to run here. Um, It's not too late to get into the market, but make sure you stay invested here. So one of the things we're looking at this week is obviously bank earnings, the big banks and the regional banks. Are you looking at the bank earnings? Is it giving you any insight into the economy and then also the markets? It is actually, I think the biggest thing it gives us an insight into as well is the consumer. And we've seen the consumer balance sheets based on what the banks have been saying are continuing to remain healthy, which is a really strong sign because consumer spending is about 70% of GDP. And if the consumer continues to spend, that is a good thing for the overall economy. So even though a lot of the excess savings that has been saved up during COVID is starting to get spent down, so to put it in perspective, it's about $3 trillion saved during the pandemic. It's likely expected it's down to about half a trillion dollars at this point. But people are really not worried about their job security in the future or getting wages in the future. They are continuing to spend. And you're seeing that when it comes to the bank earnings. So I actually said okay. it's a really positive sign as you look forward. The economy can continue going. You know, you said a really key word there. If consumers continue to spend, obviously, the Fed's objective with these rate hikes is to slow down spending. And also, while people continue to spend it. I think the consensus is they're pretty stretched. We're seeing really high credit card rates. We're seeing higher debt rates. So how long do you think that can continue to power this market? Well, we need inflation to come down, right? I mean, I think ultimately that's really what the Fed is trying to do. I think one way of doing that is to get consumers to spend less. But if inflation does come down and we are able to to get through that period where consumers can still spend, okay. that's what that soft landing scenario would be, which actually looks like it could be lining up here. You are starting to see inflation coming down. So a 6.1% lower and it was 12 months ago. So Fair. we're seeing this really significant drop here. Right, so that's, I think, the bigger key is inflation coming down. All right. I want to jump in. We want to get your picks for the day. This is all about today. What would you put money into today and why? Um, a couple areas, but I would say the biggest one we've been looking at is international. You're continuing to see the dollar weakening here. And especially when you look at Europe, you're starting to see some optimism that inflation actually may be coming down there faster than it had previously been expected. And I think Europe might be a really good opportunity to take a look at. All right. Any uh, specific areas of international markets that you want to focus on? Um, actually, I would go with the broad index if, if you're investing there. Um, you know, we can take a look at certain pits, but yeah, I think some of your ETFs would actually be the way to go. All right. Courtney Garcia, it is so great to see you. We know you're expecting. Hope to see you again after the baby. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Frank. All right. Quick look at the futures right now. Taking a look, a mixed picture all morning long, seeing the same story here, that NASDAQ actually hitting its lows of the morning. The S&P and the Dow both fractionally higher or lower. We also want to take a look at U.S. semiconductors on the back of that Taiwan semi report. We're seeing some pressure on U.S. chip makers right now, down about 1% across the board. All right, that's going to do it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. We've got Squawk Box coming up next. Thanks for watching. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Join Finteract, a peer-to-peer community of financial services professionals, and keep your finger on the pulse of the industry. 
Finteract offers a digital hub to start conversations, connect with fresh perspectives, and problem-solve with peers. This members-only community also provides access to virtual and in-person events, where you can chat tech stack, develop efficiencies, and learn new ways to propel your business forward. Apply at finteract.net.